Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is the king of clarity, Steve Woodruff. Steve is an entrepreneur, marketer, consultant, speaker, and writer. His clients will tell you that he is obsessed with three things, clarity, networking, and coffee, often all together. In his book, Clarity Wins, Get Heard, Get Referred, Steve tells us that life is a muddle. Life is filled with misunderstandings, loved ones who change their minds, children, pets, flat tires, presidential elections, and any number of other resources of chaos and confusion. The chaos is inescapable. Well, hello, Steve. I am Greg, so- it's a pleasure pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I am so excited you could join us today on this edition of Family Business Today and talk to us and tell us and help us with a little clarity to our lives. So you recently wrote a book, Clarity Wins, Get Heard and Get Referred. So let's presume that you and I have just met at a networking event, and I ask you that proverbial question. So tell me, Steve, what exactly is it that you do? Why is this so important to get this first 30 seconds with someone you meet right? Well, uh, as you know, um, often you'll meet somebody and you'll walk away from the introduction and you actually have no idea what they just said. Uh, either it was too general or full of jargon or it completely sounded like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just a banker or I'm just a realtor or something like that. So there's nothing memorable about it, nothing differentiating. And uh, so the good, the good thing is for us that we have about 15 or 30 seconds to make a great impression. And we can do that by having – very precise and vivid and memorable words. So the way I do it, uh, Greg, nowadays when somebody says, so Steve, what do you do? I start like this. I say, well, they call me the king of clarity, which immediately makes ears perk up. And I say, and I help people and businesses succeed in the two moments of truth. And, of course, they have to ask me, what are the two moments of truth? So the first moment of truth is that introduction. Uh, When somebody says, what do you do? You've got just a relatively few seconds to get your point across in a way that's good. But if I can plant my identity in your mind so that tomorrow when you meet someone else and they say, man, I'm, I'm kind of losing focus and I don't know what my message is, and you think, oh, I need to refer you to the king of clarity, well, that is the second moment of truth. And as we all know, referrals are the best way to get business. So if I can, in the first moment of truth, plant my message in your mind, I activate you to become a referral agent in that second moment of truth. Cool, cool. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot. That, that's very precise, memorable, and vivid. So uh, thank you. So, well, I better get that right. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. So we're talking today about the subject of clarity 
you talk about in your book, we are being bombarded with noise. So tell us about this radio station. You talk about WIIFM and why clarity is important to help people hear and understand our message with all this noise that's going on around us. Well, we're inundated, as you know, with a a tsunami of noise, and it's going up exponentially every year. So the number of hours that people are spending in front of screens and computers and and cell phones is uh, really consuming the vast majority of our attention these days. Uh, And the one scarce resource uh, that doesn't ever get bigger is attention. So what we are in this competition for uh, people's attention and what we have to recognize is that our brains have this wonderfully designed filter called the reticular activating system and the reticular activating system is screening out filtering out all the the garble all the babble and is looking for just a few things something new something interesting something a little startling or something relevant and that something relevant is the what's in it for me we've got to actually let people know within the first half minute or so why we're important to them and if there's no WIIFM if there's no what's in it for me then we just get tuned out we're part of the background noise hmm that's interesting uh, so you used one of those big words, uh, reticular. <laughs> <laughs> the reticular activating system, the RIS. Whenever I speak in front of a crowd, I ask if anybody knows what it is, and almost nobody does. That's right. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is that brain science is really the key to good communication. Yeah. If you know that there's a filter you've got to get through, then you can craft your words to do it. If you know that people have a limited memory – then you condense your words to make sure that you can fit. Hmm. And if you know how the brain likes to receive information, such as through stories or symbols or word pictures, then that's what you use. So a lot of clarity is distilling and boiling down all the information into these little – think of them as verbal business cards – little tools that we can get into people's minds quickly and activate their interest in their memory. Hmm. Okay, cool. So I need you to help me activate my reticular uh, just a little bit. I, I, I like to do it through example. So could you give me an example of, of an unclear message? Yeah, I was actually yesterday, I was doing a uh, a podcast recording with somebody and a uh, very uh, a well-known guy in digital marketing and I was looking at his uh, his website for his business his company and you know it was pretty good but one of the things that's uh, very endemic in, in web design is we try to say too much and so this was talking about the four different ways they do things and each of those had lists of bullet points and it was the kind of thing where it sounded like any other digital agency. And that's the problem is commodity language is one of the big problems. If we sound like anything else, then we just are filtered out. But he had a separate website and it was really neat. Uh, It showed his face. It showed, it said uh, that he was an educator 
And then it, it had this wonderful little phrase underneath it. It said, I'm like the Indiana Jones of digital marketers. I have one foot in education and one foot in the real world. <laughs> and that word picture stuck with me because if I'm going to refer someone, I know dozens of digital marketers, but for crying out loud, I want to refer someone to Indiana Jones, <laughs> not to not to XYZ digital marketing. And so he used this wonderful uh, analogy uh, in order to get right into my memory. So bullet points and just facts and too much information, all of that is forgettable. But a really nice, compressed, vivid way of getting it through, it goes right through the filter. Hmm. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with me. So uh, you're the king of clarity, and this this uh, gentleman is the Indiana Jones of digital marketing. So I've I've got to come up with uh, what I am of family business consulting. So uh, I'm going to work on that. And get back with you, okay? Well, that's how it works. I often use the example. I'll just use the generic example of a Mercedes. And so someone I was talking to this morning who does music therapy, I said, uh, if you positioned yourself as a Mercedes of music therapists, what would that imply? And, of course, everybody knows. High-end, exclusive, expensive, top-notch. And what that is is the shortcut of an existing – we steal an existing piece of memory space Mm -hmm. and adopt it for ourselves, and we convey a boatload of meaning without having to say everything. We just say Mercedes. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, you know, um, I think back on a company that I started back in the early 2000s, which was – the acronym for it was MOST – and I think a lot of people, when they first start a company, uh, they're 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 sort of throwing a wide net, and they they don't want to be pitching a hole. This company was actually called Most Incorporated, uh, which was an acronym for Manufacturers Outsourced Service of Tennessee. But we actually started off. Our first mission was we'll do most anything for a buck. So uh, <laughs> so, uh, but but it sounds like Kerry that you're you're promoting this idea of pigeonholing your business. And I, and I hear it all the time. We don't want to be pigeonholed, Greg. So what is your advice to them? Well, my advice, if you wanted to sum up this entire book into one phrase, it is define and embrace your pigeonhole. Um, so here's the other part of brain science we have to remember. People do not have an unlimited amount of space for us. We are not really that important. Uh, to other people. So what's going to happen is that people are going to store a very small bit of information that you're going to get one memory slot and a few words, a few impressions. That's it. In other words, you will be pigeonholed. Doesn't matter whether you want to be. You will be because that's how it works. People will just, you know, attach a few little bits of information about you in their brain. So the question is, do we want to be randomly remembered or do we want to design our pigeonhole and create the correct impression and the correct information in people's minds? So by carefully crafting the words, the statements, the imagery, the stories, we can create the right pigeonhole. And the fact is there are seven and a half billion people uh, on the planet. 
They're not all your customers. In fact, it's always going to be a subset of a subset of a subset of a niche. So you do your best work in a niche. You do your best work in a pigeonhole. Hmm. So you better define it so that you and others are going after the right business. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Well, I'm I'm still working on my pigeonhole. So uh, so thanks for the clarity of that. Well, well, you know, if you if you'd positioned yourself and you just said, "I'm a business coach," ninety uh, percent of the people sent your way would be the wrong people that's because right. you have a specific focus about family businesses. Right. So you have actually done a good job crafting your pigeonhole. And uh, in order to serve the ideal or what I call the bullseye client, you've really got to figure out exactly who it is that you do your best work for. Sure, sure. And you can even go deeper than just the family business and, and your pigeon is in the Five million to fifty million in revenue, and who are are planning on transitioning their company in the next three to five years? So there's lots of ways to to pigeonhole yourself and define who you are and what you do. So you know, gosh, we all love telling stories. You you've been telling stories ever since we started. I love telling stories. One of the big things about them is that sometimes our stories are way too long. Uh, but, uh, but you talk about uh, these two critical communication skills, brevity and vividness. So, so how can you tell a story and, and then it's, uh, take care of brevity and vividness? Well, the good thing with stories is that's another thing that the brain is hardwired to remember. So we have to take advantage of that. Uh, the brain is not hardwired to remember 10 bullet points and or 27 paragraphs or a 60-page white paper. But our brains are primed for stories because that's how we always processed information through the mm -hmm. years. So the best thing that we can do in helping people understand and, and visualize how we work is to tell stories. And I, I focus on two stories. Number one is the origin evolution story, which is how did I get here? You know, and you have a very interesting story about how you got to have your concern for family businesses. And I have a very interesting evolution story of how I did Clarity Consulting. Um, and so one of the ways for people to understand us is that we uh, – and it takes a little bit of practice. You actually come up with a sort of a, a shorthand script of your story, uh, a compressed version, a, a cliff notes of how you got there. And then – the other stories are the success stories or sometimes even the failure stories. So you talk about, um, you know, I was talking with this client the other day and they were having this particular issue. And what it actually led to was we, we kind of dug underneath the surface and we found that this was the festering problem. And we had to do take these three steps to fix it. And someone can relate. I mean, there's now there's flesh and blood. There's really there's stakes involved. There's people involved. So when we tell people our success stories or even failure stories, we're painting the canvas in their minds of exactly how we work, who we help, and what the effect is. Way more memorable than just a bunch of sterile words. Very good. Very good. So so for our listeners then, what you're saying is, is that stories are important in bringing clarity to who who we are and to what we do as long as they are brief and vivid. 
yeah, you don't want to be going on for uh, <laughs> you know 25 minutes with a bunch of boring details. You have to remember that most people aren't as interested in the nitty-gritty details of all the stuff in your work. They just want a high level. So uh, you've got to learn, and, and one of the best disciplines for that is to take a story and challenge yourself and say, okay, I need to tell this story in two minutes and to actually practice it until you get it down to two minutes or one minute or whatever it means to, to compress it down. Uh, but it's not that hard to do. It just takes a, a stopwatch and some self-discipline. Very good, very good. So, so uh, we don't have time to go into to, uh, all the elements of, of clarity, but, but uh, real quickly, tell us about what uh, you see as the five elements of clarity. Well, I did uh, an extensive amount of uh, R&D to come up with the five elements of clarity. Uh, R&D, in this case, means rip-off and duplication. So uh, <laughs> like these, these are derived right from the key questions of uh, what reporters are, are drummed into their head to make a good story. Uh, so the five elements of clarity are what? A simple statement of exactly what service or product or thing that we're providing. For whom? A detailed portrait of our ideal or bullseye client. The why. What is the business pain or hope or aspiration that people are feeling that will make them actually open their wallet? Uh, it's not just a sterile, uh, here's our features and benefits, but it, it goes to the emotions. The how is the superpower. And that has to do with a specific ability that you have, a body of knowledge that you have, a domain expertise, something that's uniquely differentiatingly yours or belonging to your business that you're the best at or you're great at. Because that's what's going to make someone buy is they want to buy the people that have the superpower. And then finally, the where is uh, – you, do you do your work locally, or is it regional? Is it national? Is it virtual? Is it in the healthcare vertical? Or you know, so you, by defining these elements, we're actually not only communicating from a, a marketing perspective. We're putting down the strategic north star roadmap of our business. So these five elements of clarity, when you look at a family business or any other business where you really want to have everybody aligned, these five elements are what will get people in your business all aligned, able to say, that's what we're doing, that's who we are, that's where we're going, that's the kind of business we want. All the yeses that then let you say no to the things that don't fit. So this defining of the fit by these five elements can spare businesses all kinds of nightmares downstream because you've already laid out, here's where we're going. Hmm. Hmm. So there, you've, there's five of them. So is there any one of them more important than the other, or are they all, all equal? They're all crucial. Uh, every crucial, one of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every one of them is. And if I'm going to make, uh, let's just say I know enough about you. I know your what, Greg, uh, that you help with family businesses and, and with their transitions and this kind of thing. But I never asked about the where. And uh, so I start sending you some people from Indonesia. Well, maybe not so good. <laughs> sure, sure. Or, 
somebody who really, really doesn't so much need a high-level coaching and all that you provide, but maybe someone that actually needs a, a, you know, a super-duper accountant or something. Or So every one of these is important in shaping the right customers we aim for and especially the referrals that we really want to get. Hmm. We've got to paint that picture with those elements. So I've heard people uh, go to networking events and the, and and seen it. They hand out lots of business cards and everything else. But but I hear people say, "But I never get any referrals." When I hear that question, when you hear that question, what are you hearing? Uh, I'm seeing somebody that's crop dusting, and uh, crop dusting business cards is just not a good use of paper okay. or time. And what I'm hearing is uh, you haven't been specific. You have not – and you haven't taken somebody to the side and actually really talked to them. Nobody's going to give you referrals based on a three-second flyby of, of a business card. Uh, and my goal in a networking meeting isn't to get so, a tiny touch with 40 people. I try to have a decent one-on-one time with just a few because there's no way anybody can feel a sense of warmth or identity or true understanding without that time. And that gives me time to ask them questions. It's not all about me. It's actually I spend more time asking questions than telling people what I do because I want to know how to refer them. And uh, so you really have to focus and say – I'm just going to try to make one friend today or or I'm just going to try to have two really good conversations and ignore the temptation to try to touch everybody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, great, great advice. Great advice. Yes. Uh, yeah. That, uh, capturing a uh, 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 hundred business cards a week or whatever is not a uh, a great way to uh, uh, build your business, but you you talk about uh, identifying your bullseye customer. Uh, tell t- tell us just a little bit more about that, and let's let's go back to this. You're in this networking uh, event, and you want to connect with one or two people, and you're talking to someone who's not your your bullseye customer. What do you do? If I'm talking to someone who's not my bullseye customer, here's my, my approach. Every single person is a gold mine. They all have contacts. They have somebody in their network that probably is my bullseye customer. So it's not a waste of my time to talk. To, I love talking to people of all different persuasions and different businesses. I, I just have the best time with it. And if I can say um, – you know, clearly you might not need my, my clarity services, Mr. So-and-so. Uh, but let me tell you, if you run into uh, a consultant or a small business owner who's kind of floundering and uh, they, they're losing focus, they're taking on the wrong clients, and they really are having a difficult time getting heard in the marketplace, if you know anybody like that, just send them my way. You know, that's, that's when you need the king of clarity. Uh, and so a lot of the referrals are going to happen secondhand uh, with somebody that maybe isn't my bullseye customer, but they're going to know my bullseye customer. Well, I want that second moment of truth. I want to plant who I am in my non-bullseye customers so that they will go find my bullseye customer. Hmm. Hmm. Very good. Very good. 
So I, I really like this this uh, idea of superpower. You know, I, I love going to the movies and seeing all of these Marvel uh, uh, movies and everything else. So uh, so let's get back to the superpower thing. How do I identify my superpower? This is where we often need somebody from the outside to help us. Um, as you know, I have a piece of artwork in my office that says you can't read the label of the jar you're in. And this is a, a universal truth that none of us can be objective about ourselves. We're, we're subjective. And what inevitably happens is we have a myopic view or myopic view of ourselves. And we take our own strengths for granted. We think everybody can do what we do, which is definitely not the case. Uh, and so typically it takes somebody from the outside that knows us and that we can trust to spend some time and say, let's talk through what I do, what I don't do well, where I've succeeded, where I've failed. And that brainstorming process, which can be done informally with, with friends and colleagues or formally with a, a coach or a consultant, inevitably some, some things come to the surface that are strengths. And it may be operations or it may be sales or it may be analytical strengths or there's a whole host of things. But it's there, and it's in asking these questions and seeing where people's eyes light up, where they start saying, yeah, man, when I was doing that, it was the best, and, and I had the, the greatest time with that kind of client. And you pull that information out, and pretty soon you begin to see the superpower take shape. And often when you tell somebody, you know, this is your superpower, they go, huh? Doesn't uh, – you mean everybody can't do that? <laughs> no, everybody can't do that. <laughs> it's really fun uh, and very liberating to help people find their superpower and to recognize that they've got a special, sometimes unique thing to offer to others. And you can sometimes build an entire career or practice around it. Wow. Wow. Superpower. Okay. Well, hey, you know, Steve, I've known you long enough to know that you love stopping at Starbucks for a strong, dark coffee. I, I'm personally a dark coffee, uh, no cream or sugar myself. And you know, Starbucks really seems to have pigeonholed themselves very well in the marketplace. What could our listeners learn from Starbucks to gain a clear focus on uh, their specific niche? Uh, I'll tell you what I've done in the past, and, and this is it sounds so obvious and it's silly that it would often take me too long to do this. Uh, I'd look back and I'd say, all right, where's my business coming from? Where's my really best business coming from? And it's not – it ends up it's not from hundreds of people. It's from a few. It's, it's always a pretty small number. And you look at that and you say, all right, if most of my business is coming from these people and if they've become my advocates, my fans, they're not just customers. They've become advocates. What is it that they really like about what I'm doing? What makes them attached to me? And if you can get away from thinking about the mass, reaching the mass, and go back to the very small people that love you, who are the people that love you, and then say, why? Why do they, why do they keep coming back to me? That's going to help you figure out what it is 
that's your superpower and what you should focus on. Hmm. Uh, as someone who's done sales for many years, I had this fixed my mentality about trying to reach everybody, reach everybody. And I'd have to keep coming back and saying, wait a minute, where's the real business? It's generally with a few. And they will tell you. you I mean, you can even ask them directly and they'll tell you why they, why they work with you. They see your superpower better than you do. There you go. There you go. Well, Steve, we're starting to run out of some time here, so let's go back to where we started uh, networking. Um, you know, a lot of our listeners will be headed out uh, a- after they listen to this podcast or, or they're out there right now with a pocket full of cards and they're going to be networking. You've already told us a little bit about focusing on a bullseye customer that Everybody you talk to is important, and it's better to talk to one rather uh, than to to uh, be collecting all these cards. But you talk about this being a referral networker. What does that mean? That means actually networking with the purpose that I want to create referrals. I want to create them for others, and I want to create them for myself. Uh, I don't want to just shake hands. I don't want to just make noise. I actually want to create an ecosystem, if I can use that term, of people that really like and trust and help each other. And the best way to accomplish that when you go to a networking meeting, and this is totally counterintuitive, so that's why it's important, is to become what I call a story asker instead of a storyteller. Now, storytelling has its place, and, and I've already mentioned that. But for many people, networking is a little awkward. Um, I'm an, a natural introvert, so I've had to learn how to network. It's not native to me. But I have found that the most effective question uh, that I can use in networking to get people to open up and have a great conversation is they'll say, hi, I'm, I'm so-and-so with such-and-such a company, and, and you know we, we market chicken coops or something like that. And then I just ask this question. Tell me how you got there. How did you move from high school graduate dreaming to be an astronaut or whatever you dreamed about to this? And people love to tell their stories. Hmm. And their stories are always fascinating. It's like a pinball machine. Hmm. Well, then I went, I met this person and I turned on it and then I moved over to here and I started this and realized I loved marketing and blah. And you get people opening up. And then you just keep asking questions. Well, why did you why did you take that job and not the other one? And you can end up in this wonderful 15, 20, 30-minute conversation with someone. And inevitably, they're going to ask for your story too. Uh, but that is how you network. That simple question, how did you get here? Tell me your evolution story, to me, is the most powerful networking tool there is. So that old eighty twenty rule uh, is is correct. Listen eighty percent of the time and talk twenty percent of the time. That's right. I just I spend all my time asking questions. I think I annoy people sometimes because they want me they want me to to tell about me, and I'm just keep asking questions about them because I'm fascinated. I, I I love hearing their stories. Oh, it is. I know uh, anyone that receives an email from me or, or meets with me in a networking meeting, always the last thing I always say is, how may I serve you today? And I have had several people have told me, Greg, we know you're going to ask um, ask me that. It says, 
but we're not used to that. That's very unnerving for right. us to say. Somebody's actually asking us how we can, how you can serve serve them. And so, um, anyway, good good point there. So well, here's, uh, a, here's another great another great question for networking uh, that, uh, and and if you can use it either as a way to deepen that interaction or as a way to try to bring that interaction to a close. But either way, it's the question everybody most appreciates, which is like your question, which is. Describe for me your ideal customer so that I can know how to refer you to people. And you try to get them, and sometimes you have to ask questions and dig a little bit. You try to get them. And if you are sitting there offering to be a referral advocate for them, and you're actually trying to help them articulate who their best customer is, you're doing them a huge favor by you know, doing a little clarity step for them. Uh, but you're also – uh, priming the pump for making referrals because now you've got a much better picture. Uh, and then from just the point of view of you now want to move on and network with somebody else, it gives you a chance to say, okay, great. I'm going to keep my eye open for that person. I know who to send to you. And, and then you can, you know, move on. Uh, so those two questions, tell me your story and who's your great, who's your bullseye customer. That is the, the secret to great networking. I'm going to use that. Next time I go out. Thanks thanks a lot for that great advice, Steve. So sure. uh, since you're the king of clarity, uh, how can someone learn more about you and your clarity consulting? Um, my website is claritifuel.com. And my book is called Clarity Wins. It's published on Amazon. And I made a short link called claritywins.org that leads directly to the Amazon page is where you can uh, order the paperback or download the e-version of it. Um, and then if you're a Facebook person, um, I also have a Facebook page called King of Clarity, uh, where I upload articles and videos and, and blog posts. Uh, I do two to three minute videos I call Clarity Over Coffee uh, during the week. And uh, so those three ways are easy ways to find me as well as, uh, of course, LinkedIn. Very good. Our guest today has been the King of Clarity, Steve Woodruff, entrepreneur, marketer, speaker, and author of Clarity Wins, Get Heard, Get Referred. Steve, thank you for being our guest on Family Business Today. Greg, thanks. It has been a pleasure. To learn more about Steve Woodruff and his book, Clarity Wins, visit his website at www.claritifuel.com, or you can purchase his book, Clarity Wins, at www.claritywins.org, or go online to Amazon. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for Family Business Today podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families deal with the unique challenges of working together in a family business and planning for a successful transition. To learn more about the Tennessee Center for Family Business, visit our website at www.tncfb.com. Until next time, Thanks for joining us.